0: Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Livestream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. Harder! Your Grace! I know that you want to listen to Binge Mode, but... Binge Mode has adult content and... Good. You should head to bed. I'm not tired! And now, Binge Mode.
1: I organized the defense of this city while you held court in the ruins of Harrenhal. I led the foray when the enemies were at
0: the gate, while your grandson, the king, quivered in fear behind the walls. What do I want? A little bloody gratitude would be a start. Jugglers and singers require applause. You are a Lannister. Hello! And welcome to Binge Mode. I'm Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of TheRinger.com. Joining me today, now that he's finished lecturing Sam <sighs> about failing to send those ravens, it's oh, Ringer staff writer you and one your maester, Jason Concepcion. You had
1: one job, Sam.
0: Oh, Sam. Uh,
1: to be fair, he does it in the books. I know. He gets it done in the books. We'll be getting to that. Yeah.
0: Jason. Yes. Like Sam. We have one job, and yeah. that one job is to watch all 60 episodes of Game of Thrones, deep diving one episode at a time. Everyone, we let's work with, let's do them all at once. That is not true. Why do we, we do have them many, many all- jobs?
1: <laughs> this <laughs> Why is, is we really do hard. All 60 at the same
0: time instead of one at the same time. It's a great idea. All right, guys. Spoiler warning. Yeah, we are going to go deep on details from the show and the books from this season and beyond. Grab the nearest torch. Light some dead men on fire. It's time to break down the season three premiere, Valor dojeres. All right, guys, if you want to fight for the side that fights for the living, you have come to the right place. But before we can fight, we have to remember. So let's refresh ourselves. Let's take a quick trip down our very own King's Road and offer up a brief rundown of what actually happened in the season three premiere.
1: Beyond the Wall, the White Walkers and the Whites have overrun the Night's Watch brothers at the fist of the First Men. Lord Commander Mormont plans to lead the survivors back to the Wall to warn the realm of the coming threat. He takes Jon to Mance's camp, and in Mance's tent, Jon meets the King Beyond the Wall. Mance asks Jon why he wants to join. Jon tells them about what he saw at Craster's and uh, spins a line about caring about freedom.
0: It's got nothing to do with the the hot redhead. No, her eyes. No. (laughs) Meanwhile, in King's Landing, Cersei, kind, loving, doting sister that she is, visits Tyrion in his recovery suite. He is rightly afraid that she might be there to finish the work that someone started during the defense of the Mudgate at the Battle of the Blackwater. Cersei, meanwhile, she wants to know something, too. Why, Tyrion, are you going to see dear old dad later that day? Well, when Tyrion does go to see Tywin later that day, Tywin is busy wielding his deadliest weapon, Mm. a pen, letter writing, titles, 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 letters, letters, letters. letters. (laughs) Tyrion wants some respect for his role in defending the city, and he wants wants something else. He wants his birthright, Casterly Rock. Tywin blocks both of those requests right into the front row. Down by the docks. Checking out some boats and thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. Sansa revisits Littlefinger's vow to take her home. And then there's Marjorie, who shows a natural affinity for politics, for playing the game. She steps over literal shit yeah. to stop and <laughs> commune with the people, the regular people. She appears to be genuinely interested in yeah. their lives. Joff is stunned.
1: And Blackwater Bay. And then Dragonstone. Salador San, sex pirate. His men rescue Davos from a rock in the middle of the bay where he's been hanging on since the end of the battle. Davos arrives back on Dragonstone and he begins arguing with Mel about why they lost the battle. It was your fault. No, it was my fault. And all of this goes on and it, it culminates with him pulling at a dagger and trying to kill her. Stannis has him hauled off to the dungeons.
0: At Harrenhal, Rob enters the ruins of the castle and finds lots of corpses, Two hundred Northmen executed in cold
1: blood by
0: Lannister troops. One person survived, though. Kyburn.
1: He's not even a maester. <laughs> not even a maester. Dude.
0: Discontent growing in Rob's army over cat releasing Jamie and the direction of the war, and Rob's relationship with Talisa. Things are looking tough for the King of the North.
1: On the water, sailing to Astapor, Danny's dragons are growing. She's heading to Slaver's Bay to purchase an army, and she arrives in Astapor, home of the Unsullied, where she has a cheerful chat with the total dick Krasnus Monaclaws, good name, <laughs> Great name, guttural, about purchasing uh, about 8,000 Unsullied soldiers. And while kind of walking along one of the keys along the bay, she is almost assassinated, By someone who we think is probably uh, affiliated with Priyat Pri, but the assassination attempt is thwarted by Sir Barristan Selmy, who just happened to know that's exactly where she was going to be. Great stuff. That's why he's the work.
0: That's why he's the man. All right, Jason. Big men fall just as quick as little men.
1: My daddy taught me that. As we learned.
0: (laughs) As we learned this episode. And... Playing the game of thrones means trying to knock down as yes. many foes as you can while also never losing your own footing. That's the key. And that gets us to this episode's big idea. So let's cut right to the core of it. Let's stick it with the pointy end. The defining theme of this episode is politics as combat. Not a lot of fighting is actually happening in this episode, much like the finale. The, you know, the, the the season two finale and the season three premiere, as the names Valerio Gonzalez and Valdo Harris indicate, are two bookends. They're two halves of the same hole, and that hole is. It's a lot of standing still or attempting to get back into yep. motion, but just because people aren't actually fighting battles doesn't mean they're not preparing to or fighting battles of a different sort in a different type of arena, because sometimes it's the words, not the swords, yep. that determine who actually falls or who stands. And we see that all across this episode. We see it in, in a delightful new way when two new characters meet for the first time, John and Mance.
1: Arriving in Mansa's camp, uh, Ygritte has—it's interesting to watch her demeanor change because, like, on the road, there was a lot of arguing, arguing with whether what, what are they going to do with John. And then she gets there, and it's this very kind of loosey-goosey, almost casual confidence that she puts out. And she tells John, you know, you're going to need to project—you're dressed as a crow. Everyone hates you here. Right. Uh, They're throwing things at him. (laughs) They're literally throwing like food and rocks at you and rushing at you, trying to hurt you. You need to project a confidence about you. Like, I belong here. And she tells him, you know, don't look so grim, Jon Snow. If Mance really likes you, you'll live to see another day. And if you don't, you know, letting him know you can't just be the captured sullen crow, Uh, especially if you're going to try and get in with us. And when Jon gets in the tent, uh, admirably— Talks a pretty good game mm-hmm. about what a badass he is. Yeah. This is not normal for John. Torman asks him about killing the half-hand, and John says, My father told me big men fall just as quick as little men if you put a sword through their hearts. Uh, very savvy line from John, and to be honest, not this is an unexpected bit of of, of political gamesmanship from John. Like he he's able to both understand that he needs to project strength right here, but do it in a way that's not quite bragging but not quite shoving it in their face. He's, he's, it's a threat and a promise, a sign of what he can do either for them or if they want to test him to them. Mance takes a lot of John's measure almost immediately upon seeing him. First of all, a crow comes in with an attractive girl, red-haired girl, uh, saying like, hey, I'd like to join up, guys. Mance has seen this kind of thing, I'm sure, before, uh, and he understands... You know, God for Ned Stark's bastard to turn his back on the Night's Watch. There's, it's not just all, guys. I want to fight for the living. I got to tell you, this <laughs> fighting for the living thing is yeah. for me. And he also knows how to, how to use his presence to show that he's in power. He does an interesting thing, which mm-hmm. is smart for a guy who's uh, a leader of. The notoriously violent and independent clans of the Wildlings, which is allows John to come in and not know who he is right away. You know, like how's he going to act in the presence of? And then when he does show himself to John, you know, he lords over and pulls him in with the handshake, that Trumpian
0: grab the guy, pull him in in. (laughs) here.
1: What's up, buddy? Um, You know, I'm in charge. And this is all, you know, like it's, and this is all part of the theme. It's not just when the swords come out. What can you do to project who you are before that moment comes? Uh, Mance does all this. He shows, he sees through all of John's bullshit, asks him why he deserted, and John says, I want to be free. Come on. And Mance, you know, come on, buddy.
0: I love how quickly he hand waves that. Yeah, it's so great. He's like, no. I saw you watching an walk out of this tent, buddy. I mean, listen, it's
1: obvious it's obvious, guys. John kind of recovers, and and you know, he talks about this is also I thought this is John's best moment, because he's not lying here, right He's not lying when he when he talks about I saw Craster take his baby boy, leave it in the woods, I saw what took it, um, you know, Manson's is like, so you saw one of them and he says yes i want to i want to fight for the side that's going to fight them and i told uh g.r mormon i told the lord commander what's going on and and he knew about it um and i want to fight whoever fights those things this was smart of john because that's the truth yes that's actually the truth so John's showing really a surprising ability for undercover work. It's cool to kind of see that come to light for the first time. Could you we imagine Ned doing
0: something like this?
1: No, except for John's parentage. I
0: um, mean, first of all, it's not. It's just contrary to everything that Ned like right. the idea of deception. Right. Li- not,
1: Ned literally refused to engage in that right. even
0: for a moment. Right? That's, right. that's why his head is on the spike. That's,
1: that's not how you know. That's not how a manly warrior comports himself.
0: You know who's not afraid of a little deception, though? Tell me, Tyrion and Cersei. Yeah, Neither good. of them, and. Watching these two interact, always such a treat. Politics is always combat for yeah. Cersei and for Tyrion. And again, one of the things that makes our relationship so fascinating, we've said this many times, we will say it many more, they hate each other. They are very similar. They're really different, but they're also very similar. And this is one of those ways, you know, when Cersei comes in, to Tyrion's new chambers, and you know she takes a shot at his new digs, and he he notes right away that Pycelle made the exact same joke, and he says, "You must be proud to be as funny as a man whose balls
1: brush his knees." That's unfair. Come on, Roz, We could ask Roz. I think I feel like Roz would be much. Uh, she would be much more shook. Yeah, but you know, Cersei's really worried. She's yeah.
0: worried about why Tyrion wants to see their father, and she says, "You've slandered me to father before," and as always, Tyrion is instantly ready with the, the retort. It's not slander if it's true. That's right. He's a real journalist. I love it. And, you know, what is she worried about? He wants to know, what are you, right. so, worried? What are you so worried about? She's worried that he's going to tell lies about her and Joffrey. And Tyrion says, any lies in particular? And she says, you're a clever man, but you're
1: not half as clever as you think you are. And he says, still makes me more clever than you. The interesting thing about this scene was both of them are afraid. And you yes. don't really see Tyrion... Like you've, we've never seen him where he's literally like, not gonna open the door right. because he's he thinks oh she's here to this is it right. gonna cut, she's gonna cut my throat and now. of course she says
0: if, if that's if that's why I we're here the door wouldn't stop right. me what if these guys had just ever tried to be on the same side
1: well I think you know from uh, day one when the first. Interaction is your sister pinching your penis. Not a great start. A, I think it's gonna be uh tough sledding from there. Not
0: a great start. Uh, what about what about the conversation that Cersei's so worried about? The one that Tyrion goes to have with Tywin? Because this this does not go well. No. This does not go well. This uh, is not a cool,
1: calm, reassuring family chat. Well, Tywin is the master of politics as it's, combat in the show. He is the master. When you hear that pen. You know shit is going down. Deals are being made. You're not sure what it is, but stuff's actually going to happen. I mean, Littlefinger does a lot. Littlefinger uh, is a political mover as well, but in a different way. Like, it's a lot easier to do things when your basic plan is, all right, let's uh, slowly destroy the realm from the inside so that I can advance one square. Tywin is not doing that. (laughs) You know, Tyrion, again, this moment of, like, real vulnerability from him. I defended the city. Right. You know that the, the fire ship? That was me. The wildfire? Yeah. I did that. Fighting actually like on the beach? Yeah. It's pretty reasonable. That was me. When and he says, how about a little bloody gratitude? And, and Tywin uh, gives him... Jugglers and singers uh, you require uh, applause. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are a Lannister. The way he speaks is so perfect and, and so flawless when he says... You brought a whore into my bed. Just the way he draws out every syllable for max effect. It's so perfect. I Charles sent Dance. you here
1: to advise the king. I gave you real power and authority. You chose to spend your days as you, you always, always have, bedding harlots and drinking with thieves. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but can we look at the can we look at the, the scoreboard though? Oh my god. You know. It's I've, so good. And, and Tyrion tries to go back at him, and he t- goes into his CV. I organized the defense of the city. Held, while you were chilling in Harrenhal, right. like, with your dick in your hand, trying right. to figure out what the while hell you were going to do. While you were playing do. politics, I was right. actually out fighting war. While a teenage Rob Stark was kicking your ass all around the Riverlands and the Westerlands, <laughs> I was bleeding in the mud of King's Landing. And, you know, what are you going to— Listen, Jamie? Can't have kids. Can't get married. King's guard. You don't have another son. What's up? Give me what's mine. He pulls a Stannis. He does pull a Stannis. By, By right. right.
0: <laughs> it's gross. It's I don't like Tyrion the saying the same thing Stannis The of men may Stannis say says. that
1: you are a Lannister. Uh, brutal, yeah. brutal. And then Tywin. Uh, Savage. Really kind of reveals an interesting thing. He's not all cold calculating ruthlessness. There's a real pain at the Core of this. Right. There's a personal motive, and that's his wife, who right. who died in childbirth giving birth to Tyrion.
0: It's similar to the to what Cersei says to yeah. Tyrion. The the cruelest joke was your first, right? You who Oof. came into this world. Really awful. But Tywin's language choice here, the things that he says. Oh my God. It's whether the pain is real and motivating or not, it's it's downright. Cruel when he says, Why?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Why? Why? You ask that?
0: You who killed your mother to come into the world? You are an ill made, spiteful little creature, full of envy, lust, and low cunning. Men's laws give you the right to bear my name and display my color, since I cannot prove that you are not mine. But neither gods nor men will ever compel me to let you turn Castley rock into your whorehouse. Go now. Fuck. And then he has to tack on a bonus threat. The next whore I catch in your bed, I'll hang. You don't need a sword. No. You don't need a field of combat when you're throwing verbal daggers to the heart like that those words are combat that is combat if those words those thoughts those ideas that's violence of the purest most potent form you can never recover from hearing something like that you know we see earlier in the show's run when tywin at the end of season one sends Tyrion to king's landing in the first place for what to rule you are my
1: son It's this beautiful
0: moment. It really is. For a fraction of a second there, where we think there's a chance for these two. We will never again think that after hearing this, and neither will Tyrion.
1: It's a brutal moment that leads directly to uh, the privy somewhere in the Tower of the Hand. Uh, Meanwhile, speaking of shit. Cersei, Marjorie, and Joff. Marjorie, it strikes me, uh, is uses a lot of like the kind of techniques that Ygritte does when she walks in the wildling camp. Mm-hmm. Her her armor is. Look at how easy this is for me. Right. Look at how I'm a comf- natural. I'm a natural at this. Oh, uh, let's stop here, and I'm going to talk to the the common people, and not just talk to them. I'm going to get out of the litter. I'm going to step over puddles of shit with my <laughs> Fresh shit. with my silky dress <laughs> running through the shit. I've got others. And I'm going to hang out and I'm going to talk to these people for a long time and make them feel like I care about their lives, whether that's true or not. Right. Uh, it just she's showing Joffrey and and Cersei I understand how to play the game. I understand where my my power is going to come from. And meanwhile Joffrey This guy has been checked out ever since the battle was over. He's just getting fitted for clothes now. Uh, He doesn't understand any of this. You know, his attempts at small talk and and humor are, you know, examples of, like, how not to do stuff. Apologies, my lady. Small council meetings. At what point does it become treason to waste the king's time?
0: What an idiot. The way he says charitable works later on during <laughs> yeah, that dinner scene yeah. like he does it's it, it, you can tell the word charitable feels so foreign on his Ugh. tongue he actually has to pause to yeah. figure out if he's pronouncing it correctly it's great stuff that whole dinner scene is really Really priceless. We have the the iconic exchange between Marjorie and so Cersei the first, about their
1: dresses. The first uh, little tiny battle between yes, Cersei and this Marjorie. is
0: a great example of yeah. of politics as combat. They're not talking about a lot. They're not secu- overtly trying to secure an alliance, right. right? This is they're having a family dinner. Right. This is already a thing. But every exchange. When you play the Game of Thrones, every exchange is politics right. as combat. Everything you say to another person or allow another person to say to you has an impact yep. in some way on how seriously they take you. And this is kind of beautiful to yeah. watch these people go at it. When Joff says, "That's a lovely gown, my, my lady." That's a lovely gown, my lady. And Cersei says, Yes, it suits you perfectly. I imagine you might be rather cold, right? A lot of lot of a lot of March right. hanging out yeah. there. And she says, The climate is more forgiving in Highgarden, your grace. And you know, Joffrey, uh, so kind, offers yeah. to get her a shawl in case she has a chill. And she says, I'm touched by your concern, your grace. She sees right yeah. away, she sees an opening here. She knows how to play Joffrey like a fiddle already. Luckily for us, Tyrells, our blood runs quite warm. Loris. Isn't the queen's gown fabulous? The pattern? The embroidery? The (laughs) metalwork? And then Cersei says you might find a bit of armor quite useful when you become queen, perhaps before. That is not even a veiled threat. That is a direct threat. Cersei, though, she can never leave it there. She always has to bring it back to the actual threat of bodily harm. She's not subtle. Ever. Marjorie is. Marjorie is. That's where Marjorie has the edge over her in some of these early exchanges between the two of them. And what's fascinating to see here is how quickly the dynamic shifts. We've always thought that really, what is Cersei's chief goal above all else? It's power and protecting her children. This is the first time that they're kind of really turning on each other in front of other people. Yes. When. Joffrey says, My mother's always had a penchant for drama. Facts become less and less important to her as she grows old. He's calling Cersei the crazy uncle at Thanksgiving dinner. Like, this is amazing. And she's embarrassed, but she's not ever going to just take it, right? She says, You're right, of course, but you are your father's son. We can't all have a king's bravery. This is in reference to what happened. She's concerned about Marjorie fraternizing with the common folk and brings up their trip. Right, their trip back in season two. Through through the streets, cow pie in the face, et cetera, et cetera. She, Joffrey was a coward. He behaved like an idiot. Kill them all! And she is overtly yeah. mocking his lack of courage. This is really. Watching them try to one up and shame each other is pretty fascinating.
1: The verbal duel between Sansa and Littlefinger is, is less a duel and more a, kind of like a shadow boxing play. Fascinating perspective on the nature of truth and lying. You know, Shay and Sansa are kind of making up stories about boats and where they might be going. Shay says, why should I make up a story when I know the truth? And Sansa says, because the truth is always either terrible or boring. And later on, when Littlefinger shows up, I got my carcetti in my Littlefinger stuck again. Uh, anyway, <laughs> And... <laughs> The yeah, whole exchange—it's so really is like—I'm not sure what happened off season, but uh, okay. And it's—it's it's really sad to see Sansa, who has gotten um, so much better at playing the game, just totally fall apart when when Littlefinger shows up and says yeah. a few things about Cat or, or Arya. Sansa says, "You said you'd take me home," and Littlefinger, you know, takes a moment to savor what he has here. He says. You said King's Landing was your home, your property of the crown. (laughs) Stealing you would be treason. A little hard to get. She, I won't tell anyone. How do I know? Because I'm a terrible liar. You said so yourself. She's she's learning how to play the game, but she's so basic at it that to watch her with Littlefinger, it's you really fear for her. Shea fears for her too because we're, they pan back
0: and yeah. it's Shay and Roz basically being like, oh fuck. Shea, by the
1: way, who doesn't know what the fuck she's doing right. either. Right.
0: Another person who does not know what the fuck he's doing as much as we'd like to believe otherwise is Davos. He, right. he knows that there's still a chance here. There's still a window of opportunity. Stannis can survive losing the battle But he can't survive continuing to allow Melisandre to rule his life. And so when he hears Salador say that she's burning the infidels, singing as they scream, he's not, Stannis won't see anyone. He just let, she whispers in his ear, that's it. This is very concerning to Davos because he understands the power of the politics that
1: are playing out there. Also, if I'm Davos, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Head back to your wife, dude. I'm good. And it's, you know, as soon as he gets there, the combat between Melisandre and Davos is this, it's an argument over whose fault is right. this. Blame. Whose fault was it? When she leans into him and says, don't despair, Sir Davos, what I told you, son, is true. Savage. Death by fire is the purest Ugh. death. I mean, what does she think is going to happen? She knows exactly she what's going to happen. He's going to snap, pulls a knife, and Stannis is not going to have his prize advisor stabbed in his presence. You got to go to the cell. I mean, that is what we're talking about, like combat of words and as soon as you resort to actual combat you've lost
0: you don't have to like melisandre to admire her because at the end of the day a lot of people are operating from positions of fear and she is operating from a position of courage and belief and whether you think her her courage is founded and her beliefs are right it's there it's real it's it's leading to things like this hey guys just a quick break to tell you about our sponsor binge mode is brought to you by direct tv now Livestream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. And now, back to binge mode. Um, Danny is finding her courage, and she has to this point only been in positions of being able to use her words, right? right? She's kind of in the opposite situation. A lot of these people have been fighting battles and now they're regrouping. Right. Danny's all she's done is group and regroup and now she's ready right. for a fight. She wants an army. And so they're sailing to Astapor to look at the Unsullied. She feels... Shopping trip. Little little, little trip to
1: the local Going mall. Best slaves. <laughs> oh God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she and jora they're having an adorable little spat on the sea And they decide it's too nice of a day to argue, guys. We've all been there. And Jorah, always through the drama, is finding ways to give her good advice. And he issues one more reminder that is very apt, whether you're talking about actual combat or politics as combat. And that is you have to be strong if you hope to lead, if you have a prayer. And, you know, he says the Dothraki follows strength above all, Khaleesi. You'll have a true Khalasar when you prove yourself strong and not before and she needs she doesn't feel great about the idea of of procuring an army of slaves but right. she knows she she's ultimately listening to him she can't build a following with the dothraki or anyone else if she doesn't have fighters and so that's why they're heading to astapor and boy
1: boy is it a barrel of laughs once they arrive one of the uh the world's ultimate used car dealers, It She needs. This is kind of a shortcut for Danny. Yeah. And Jora reminds her that you know, like the this is this army is a means to an end. And once I own an army of slaves, what will I be? You know, it's not a great look for her, but she's willing to do it because that's what she needs to do. Right, and then. You know,
0: Danny's episode ends with an assassination attempt thwarted by Barristan, who arrives and says, You know, declares, King Robert is dead. I've been searching for you, Daenerys Stormborn, to ask your forgiveness. I was sworn to protect your family. I failed to. I embarrassed and sell me. Yeah. King's Guard to your father. The music's building. Yeah. We're getting into it. Allow me to join your Queen's Guard, and I will not fail you again. This is huge. Yeah. Danny's winning. Danny's gaining. Rob.
1: Tough. Stays Tough. losing. He's getting laid, though. That's true. Uh, once uh, the Lords of the Reach allied with the Lannisters, it's it's really just, you know, what are we doing here for Rob? Here's how desperate things are for Rob. He wants to, he actually wants to find the mountain and fight him. So he crazy. Wa-
0: he wants to find that guy. Imagine being in a position where you're like, I really want the mountain to yeah, he be says, in that uh, castle. I
1: love a fight. The men would love a fight. That's he, not, said, a, he
0: says it with such yeah, desperation. That's, that's a
1: bad place to be in because... You know, that's not how you—that's that's one way you win in this world, but as Stannis will tell will tell you if he knew, uh, that's not the total way you win. He's sitting there with Karstark. Karstark is, is grumbling, 200 northmen slaughtered like sheep. And Bolton, the dead will be repaired, my lord, for them and your sons. This is notable for a few reasons. One— red wedding foreshadowing a little bit and also bolton promising actions rob should have been aware of this stuff yes. he should have been aware of the grumblings of his army the way people were looking at him when he's walking uh, you know along the riverbanks with talisa while dudes are getting killed when he's you know looking he they find one of the malister uh lords they're slaughtered and he and Cat comes up to him, and then they have this moment of kind of like tenderness. And then Rob sees his men looking at him and realizes, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to project strength." This is the woman who let Jamie go, and he steel comes over him and he says, "Find her a chamber that will serve as a cell he, she's your mother." <laughs> and of course, you know, she freed Jamie Lannister. You have to, you know, she robbed them of justice. She, he has to do this now because he understands that he, he will lose his lords if he does not show strength.
0: All right, Jason, Yes. someone should have told Rob this, but only jugglers and singers require applause. That's true.
1: You are a maester. Well. Forget about gratitude. It's, it's a Kybern type situation. <laughs> I don't want to go into it. But yes, I consider myself to have gone to the Citadel. There you go. Well, we're going back. We're going back right now. Because Citadel of the Bahamas. Dead men are
0: walking, and we need to understand why. We yes. need to understand how. So let's assemble the conclave, head to the Citadel, learn everything we need to know. Let's go. About the White Walkers.
1: White Walkers. Now, looking back now in retrospect over these previous now 21 episodes, I think uh, it's fair to argue that the White Walkers maybe should have been the very first. Uh, missive from the citadel they are the iceberg looming on the horizon and when their time comes and night falls all the petty squabbling of lords and kings for power land and legacy aboard the good ship westeros will ultimately amount to nothing they will wipe the slate clean and this is really one of uh, george martin's kind of great sleight of hands you know he shows you right away uh this is the ultimate evil in this story and then he spends the intervening uh, time building up this kind of shades of gray character study of of good guys who end up on the wrong side and then the bad guy who actually is a good guy and then you know the but at the heart of it no it's a black and white story of the ultimate evil that is coming through. the to, great war to destroy everything the white walkers were somewhere between 6 and 8000 years ago During a winter that lasted a generation, so we can figure that's something like 20, 30 years, called the Long Night. This is during the Age of Heroes. And at least for some of that winter, that long, long, long winter, the world was, we think, shrouded in just complete darkness. Children were born, grew up, and died knowing nothing but winter. Uh, No one, not even the high lords in their castles, could escape the cold caress of starvation. You know, it's in the north, there is a tradition of when the snows come and the winter's been going a while, the the kind of old and infirm, or, you know, the older, the third son or something, will say, I'm going to go out and hunt. And they just never come back. And they do that in order to extend the food supply for everyone. We we should expect that this happened a lot during the, the long winter. And then sometime during this winter from the far, far, far north, the land they call the Land of Always Winter, the White Walkers came. Uh, and they came with their army of undead soldiers, commonly referred to as the Others. The White Walkers are uh, some sort of humanoid race. Their bodies appear to be made of some kind of magical ice. They're tall and thin with this white, blue, translucent skin, glowing blue eyes. And their presence is often preceded by a bone chilling cold. Does the cold do they bring the cold with them? Does the cold call them forth? The White Walkers are a mashup
0: of the others from Lost and the Dementors from Harry Potter.
1: Uh, they carry swords and spears made of, of some kind of like magical ice. Makes this high pitched noise as they swing it around. Shatter steel weapons and armor with terrifying ease. And then the scariest thing about them is they can raise the dead. Whoever they kill Will become their undead thrall, this indefatigable zombie army. They don't get tired, they just keep coming. You cut them in half and they'll crawl towards you, swords in hand. Legends of the Long Night talk about White Walkers riding across the land on dead horses. We've seen that happen, that's true. They talk about huge dead spiders. We haven't seen that yet, but Old Man has not let us down up to this point. And at the fist, um, in the books at least, the Walker sent a bear, like a half chewed up yeah. polar bear, at the at the Night's Watch's lions, and this is this sent terror and shock through the brothers. And we've seen what they can do at Hardhome when the Night's right. King just kind of did the come at me bro, and everybody stood up and they were ready to to throw down. How were the White Walkers defeated the first time? Well. We know that they're vulnerable to dragon glass, a.k.a. obsidian, of which there is a lot of under dragonstone. It's fire-made stone, so therefore it kills them. We know that Valerian steel works, although the Night's Watch will find that out later. They don't know it yet. Uh, and it's fair to assume that dragon fire takes them down, and we should hope with ease. Also fair to consider the opposite of that, that the White Walkers could turn a dead dragon into no. a huge ice dragon. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I expect this to happen. Um, so fire is the best method for killing whites because you can chop them up in their hands and heads and, and you know like body parts still crawl and writhe around. So we're not sure of how they were defeated the first time, but the legends are all over the place. Uh, the Roinish tales talk about the gods of the river joining forces to fight the darkness. In Ashai, they talk about Azor which is the who is the legendary warrior who wielded the flaming sword Lightbringer, and and that became part of the relore oral tradition, and you know Melisandre talks a lot about that. In et they say the darkness was averted because of the heroism of a, quote a woman with a monkey's tail. I <laughs> want to know more about this, but unfortunately there's not much more to know. So clearly more hard information about the White Walkers is needed if humanity stands any hope against them. God, if there was only a place with lots of ancient books that we could send a person <laughs> who's really nerdy, that loves to read, uh, I, hopefully that happens at some point. All right.
0: Maester, neither gods nor men could compel Tywin to turn Casterly Rock into Tyrion's Warhouse, but we, we can turn this podcast into anything we want. And that means it's time to head to the Sept, to bathe in the light of the Seven, sharing seven of our favorite insights and observations from this episode. There are a lot. There are a lot of goodies in this
1: one. Let's do it. You go first. Tormund Giantsbane makes his first appearance. What an entrance. What an entrance. Uh, John kneels at his feet, your grace. And Tormund says, you hear that? From now on, all you better kneel every time I fart. It's good stuff from the guy who once fucked a bear.
0: <laughs> oh, Sheila. Number two, when Mormont says to Sam, we, we hinted at this earlier, guys, but we just we need to carve out a solid yeah. 30 seconds here to give Sam his due. He says, did you send the ravens? Tarly, look at me. Did you send the ravens? That was your job, your only job. So two things here. We now know that Lord Commander Mormont, he... Originated the you had one job meme. Yeah. Apparently, he is the he is the creator of that meme. Never say memes don't exist in Westeros. And number two, we again just reiterating. He, did get, he this, got him off. Sam fucking sends the he Ravens in off. the books. Like we are in general, we get upset about <laughs> about book to show right, right, right. changes the first time, and then we get over he it. We get accept them. We often think the show makes changes for reasons that are valid and good. Like Sam
1: has enough shit going on. Give him some credit. Not only did he get him off, but like he pre-wrote prewrote. Three he was like ready. different versions like okay we're winning, okay we're losing, okay, it's bad. That bugs me. All right, number three. Braun in one of King's Landing's many, 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 many brothels <laughs> is uh removing a lady's loincloth when Pod enters and Braun doesn't back away. Keep backing away until you're outside this establishment, then back away some more. Uh, you know, Bron, don't, do not get in between Bron and no. his leisure time.
0: Absolutely not. Number four, Cersei, when she's visiting Tyrion, checking in on Baby Burrow, yeah. and she says, They said you'd lost your nose. But it's not as gruesome as all that. Another book nod here. Right. Another book nod. Book readers will know. Show show viewers might not. Tyrion loses a big old chunk of that
1: nose yeah, and is never uh, looks the same.
0: Yeah, really tough to look at. You know, show Tyrion just kind of has a badass, handsome scar across his face.
1: All you freelancers, all you contract workers, all you people who are up for a raise at some point, and you know you've jumped up in the game. Look at my boy Bronn. <laughs> Negotiating a new pay rate with Tyrion. <laughs> You've given me a taste for the finer things, he tells Tyrion. <laughs> Tyrion goes for the very week I thought we were friends. Tyrion doesn't Come believe on, man. Come on, dude. Come on. We are, but I'm a sellsword. That means I sell my sword. I don't loan it out for friends for free. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. And then he tells him how much he wants. Double. I don't even know how much I'm paying you now, Tyrion says, which means you can afford it. Yes. yes. Exactly.
0: Very savvy negotiating from Braun.
1: That's how you do it, guys. Get what you're worth.
0: Number six, the letter, the yeah. Tywin letter writing that we were talking about. I paused about earlier. it to try and. I, I, I did the same, <laughs> try to make out every single fucking word. Yeah. He's planning the red wedding, really guys. Is. He's just sitting there calmly sketching out the details yep. of Rob's destruction. And then he's about to just crush Tyrion's spirit. Really gets a lot done in one afternoon. Also,
1: I think that's you know when when Bolton says oh, makes his little allusion yeah. to enemies yeah. uh, getting their due. I think those letters have gone out. And then uh, Crazy Kraz, the, what a guy! He runs the biggest uh, used human lot in Astapor. Just roasting Danny who can understand the language. Doesn't she know that we've cut off their balls? Thank you, Kraz. Yes, eunuch army, we get it, bro. God. All right. I
0: think that what you want most of all is to be a hero. That's right. That's also true for today's champion. That's right. Each episode, we are honoring the person or persons or creature or whatever who played mm. the game the best, advanced his or her cause in some way. And this week, we had a tough time identifying the, the winner, but our champion's purse is going after much deliberation. John freaking snow he did it he did it guys he He grew up a little bit he did he took a major step forward here he successfully infiltrates man's raiders camp this is a big deal let's run through quickly the list of things that john manages here Does not die. Doesn't die. Does not lose control of his bowels when he sees a giant (laughs) for the first time, which is also a pretty remarkable achievement. Yeah. Not wasting the half-hand sacrifice. Come on. This is big. He also manages not to make a complete and utter fool of himself. He he goes down that road a a, a little bit with Tormund when he battles. But then he really recovers and he finds that balance. He walks that line between showing man's proper respect, but also standing up for himself and saying, I'm someone you have to take seriously here. You know something, Jon Snow. Oh, oh, that's really (laughs) charming. All right, guys. It's a long march. We know what's out there, but we have to make it. We have to binge pod. We have to. We have to. We hope that you had as much fun as we did today and that you are uh, as excited to talk about season three as we are so please join us next time when we will be discussing season three episode two dark wings dark words yeah until then this one is pleased to have served you
1: But neither gods nor men will ever compel me to let you turn castle Rock into your whorehouse. Go now and bring me Shay's number. I would like to talk to her on my own, privately, about things, just stuff, and leave for half an hour, say.